You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives. Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome to the Interactome. Hello and welcome back to the Interactome. You're probably thinking, hey, it isn't the third Monday of the month. Why are we dropping an episode? We'll take a look at your calendar and the day and the month, and there's your answer. Um, we are doing our first ever mini-sode for Pi Day, and the team is super excited. It's I'm on this episode, and we've got Sam, and we've got our lovely editor, Pickle, and then we have a guest, a mathematician who knows much more than all of us um, combined because we need that expertise to tackle this subject. Um, we have Youngman Park, assistant professor of math at University of Florida Gainesville. Um, so I'll just toss it over to the team and we can do some intros. Uh, Youngman, great to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me. All right, I guess I'll, I'll start. I uh, invited Youngman here. Um, he's actually a uh, old uh, friend of mine from uh, back when I was a grad student at Brandeis. Uh, he was a postdoc at the time. Uh, so uh, when we decided to do a Pi Day episode, he was uh, literally the first person I thought of because uh, pretty pretty darn good at explaining math. He was doing a good job of that. <laughs> um, we had questions for him uh, back in grad school. Um, and so uh, he uh, hopefully will have a, a great explanation of why we should care about Pi and we'll cover some uh, really interesting things that... Um, well, I, I found them fascinating during our uh, uh, prep for this, although I think I've been told not to jump on every single opportunity for all the cool things because all the cool stuff we talk about. Uh, this is a mini-sode after all, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, did I? I think I mentioned my name, right? Mention yeah, it I'm again, Sam. just in case. Yeah, I'm Sam. Tell the people. There we go. It's been out there, it's been out there for I'm time. Pickle. Yeah. <laughs> I helped. I'm here. You're like, I'm here, I Do promise. you ever go by Rick? Pickle I'm sure you've. I'm sure you've heard that before. There's no way. You've heard. I've heard a bunch I've of them. I've never heard that, and I'm gonna have to start using that. So yeah, should I just get started with the? Yeah, we've already gone off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twice thus far, it's only been like what? I'm looking at a two minutes and thirty seconds. Wow. New record. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> all right, so I guess we'll just we'll start with pi. So that's that's the theme, and it's. I'll start with the deceptively simple definitions. Okay, so. So first, pi is defined. Well, is it's a it's a it's a number that belongs to the class of of a particular type of numbers called irrational numbers, and the very simple definition of an irrational number is one that is not rational. So there are many numbers you can you can and I'm, and I'm not kidding. So there's many numbers you can represent. Right. <laughs> so there's many numbers you can represent using fractions, and. It turns out that there are a whole bunch of numbers you cannot represent with fractions. And really simply put, that is what irrational numbers are. So many, many numbers fit this. In fact, many infinitely, infinitely many more than rational numbers are irrational. And pi just happens to be one of them. And pi, along with irrational numbers, has a lot of historical significance um, in, in all kinds of engineering applications. 
And I won't go into that here, but pi itself also has a very deceptively simple definition, which is that it's just the ratio of, of a circle's circumference to its diameter. And you would think that that would kind of solve a lot of things, but it pi itself has a very long history of, of not being um, estimated very well, and, and likewise with many irrational numbers. So if it's all right, I could, I'd like to talk about some history of irrational numbers at this point. We'd love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that'd be super helpful. Yeah, so, so irrational numbers, it, it started with pretty simple questions. So for example, if you have a square, a very simple geometric shape, well, the area of a square is the, the, each side squared, right? And so it's very easy to find the area of a square given its side lengths. But what if you have the opposite problem where you're given the area of a square and you want to know the, um, the, the side lengths? And it turns out, so that's, that's why the square root is important because if you have an area A of a square, you have to take the square root of that to find the, the terms that lead, that give you the area. And it turns out the one term you can get if the area of the square is, is two, it turns out you need to think about square root of two. So that's why historically square root of two has a lot of significance because it comes from a very simple question and it, it just can't, it just, you, it seemed like you couldn't quite compute it for the longest time. So interestingly, the, the Babylonians had a way of estimating the square root of two and it used this, this method where you, you guess an initial number and then you take, you do some algebraic manipulations and then you have a new number, which is your adjusted guess. And then you do some, the same algebraic manipulations where, and then you have a new number and you keep iterating like this. And that today is called, it's an example of something like, um, it's, it's called an iterative method in general. And more broadly, it's, it's related to finding roots of, of equations. But what's interesting is that the Babylonians had this base 12 system we have a base 10 number system. Computers use base two for binary. Babylonians had a base 12. I think the, the, the Aztecs or the Mayans, I forget which, they had a base 20 system. Um, so that's, that's a whole can of worms in itself. But um, they were able to find up to something like three decimal places in base 12 um, that the, the Babylonians were. So they had a pretty good estimate of it. And that's, that happened around 1700 BCE. So pretty ancient history. Um, but it wasn't until about 500 BCE where the Greeks actually properly discovered irrational numbers to the best of our knowledge. And it was, it was someone applying a standard method, which is called a proof by contradiction. So if you want to prove something, you assume that the, that the, the conclusion is false. And then you kind of make a series of logical arguments that follow and you reach a contradiction. And what someone found is that um, is that you you actually can't the square root of two actually cannot be be irrational it cannot be rational, and this was huge and groundbreaking at the time because he was part of the school of thought where you could estimate any number using rational numbers, and the Greeks were kind of right. It turns out that you can get very very close to irrational numbers, arbitrarily close to irrational numbers using rational numbers. But they, but, but they realized that actually there are numbers that you can never express as a fraction. And I encourage everyone to look up the proof of this. It's actually remarkably straightforward. Um, the guy used some, the Pythagoras' theorem at some point, um, very basic geometric kind of ideas, and then reached the conclusion that 
this contradictory conclusion that the side length had to be both of even and odd length. So there was this contradiction that he found. Um, and therefore, the idea that the, the square root of two, the assumption that the square root of two is, is rational had to be wrong. And the Pythagorean school of thought was so insulted by this that legend has it, they, they took him out to sea and drowned him. Oof. Um, <laughs> that's, wow. that's a... Huh. So um, there was a history of, of this stuff in math, and we'll get to another one if we're lucky, uh, where, where people are just so insulted by this concept that is undeniably true that they resist, they, that, that entire generations of mathematicians have to die before it's actually accepted. Um, wow, okay. That, I just don't so, just think about so, that for a second. Wow. Like... <laughs> So, I mean, you think, like, I, I guess, like, I'm familiar with, like, kind of trying to memorize all the digits of pi. Like, not all the digits. can't memorize all the digits of pi. But, like, people will, like, sit there and memorize these massive numbers of digits of pi and things. We've kind of accepted that this thing just goes on forever, right? People right. make jokes about, you know, the entire works of Shakespeare being hidden in this number or something like that. Which, I don't even know how that would work. It's, it's numbers. Um, but, wow, I didn't think that anyone drowned over it. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Can I ask a quick clarifying question um, from my understanding? So... You're talking about how sometimes, or uh, with irrational numbers, fractions, the decimals go on forever. They go on infinitely. So I've always been stumped by like one third, two thirds, three out of three out of three, because technically that adds up to point nine 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 nine. Does that count as an irrational number, or is because it's so close? They maybe I'm going way off base here, but that's kind of it is. Well, it's, yeah. Go ahead, Sam. Well, you say like a rational number, right? It's 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 a fraction, right? From understanding, like anything that can be expressed as a fraction. So the repeating numbers are not rational necessarily, right? They actually, they're by necessity, they're not repeating, right, young men? Oh, that, um, okay. So the 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 fact that one third in base ten looks like point three three repeating is is more an artifact of the base ten number system. Okay. Than anything. That makes total yeah. sense. And. and the rational numbers, it's not just that the decimal goes on forever, because if you look at like one over seven, there are many, there are many fractions where the decimal actually repeats forever. Um, so it's, it's not that the decimal repeats forever, it's just that you can't represent the number as a fraction. That is a super helpful clarification for me. So thank you. I have a question. As a, as a programmer, I run into this a lot, divide by zero. Is that an example of like a irrational number? Or is that its own kind of... That's a, that's a whole nother, yeah. That's that, a potential can of worms, yeah. <laughs> Before we got on this call, listeners, we were, you know, walking through the episode and we had all these ideas and it's like, I don't know how many cans of worms we want to open on our first mini-sode. That might be a little tricky, so... Every time we say can of worms, it's a little throwback to pre-recording. There's a whole shelf of cans of worms. Although I do have to say that it would be just like a sever mini, so it'd be longer than some normal episode. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I'm sure Pickle would love that for editing. He'd be like, oh, great, I have to edit. <laughs> oh, that'd be fine. Yeah, let me uh, edit this mini so that, you know, normally takes me like a couple hours. Oh, yeah, two days later. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll let been talk about him so that we don't torture Pickle. Yeah, so maybe, Youngman, you could get into, you know, we talked a little bit about that pi relates to your work pretty heavily um, in the research that you do. So maybe if you just want to walk us through that um, in the relation. 
Sure. So pi is, you know, intimately related to periodicity. Um, and in particular, trigonometric functions, sine and cosine. They are 2 pi periodic, or 2 pi times n periodic, where n is an integer. And this is, you know, these functions, and yeah, unfortunately I can't go into the details, but but there are tons and tons of engineering applications related to this. Um, but to, but to, to just get to the point, I look at periodic behavior, and I try to understand periodic behavior, and in particular in, in neuroscience, so or, or general, more generally biology. So there are all kinds of rhythmic periodic behaviors in nature, in physics. So the, the cycle of the sun, which drives the circadian rhythm, um, things like sound, sound waves, the, the kind of pressure wave, the, the pressure that carries sound waves, um, those are periodic phenomena um, in and of, them, of themselves. Um, we have things like neurons where that are responsible for controlling rhythmic motion, so breathing, swimming, walking, eating, digesting. These neurons are highly rhythmic in nature, and, and you can see a very regular periodicity in, in a lot of these neurons. So my job is to take very complicated models of neurons. I mean, we can, we can always go arbitrarily complicated with models, biological models. But what I try to do is reduce the complexity to the point where we as, as humans can understand exactly what's happening. And the benefit of this, right? So on the one hand, our computing power is good enough that we can really compute amazingly detailed models of the brain or some biological system. But then at that point, it gets to a point where we're just, we're just simulating something that's as complicated as the biological system itself. So we're not really gaining anything from it necessarily. Um, so what I'm trying to do is reduce the complexity to something so simple that we can just look at a piece of paper and say, oh, oh, I see. I can prove without a shadow of a doubt that such and such phenomenon actually is happening as you change this parameter related to, you know, the frequency or the coupling strength um, between neurons or, you know, some, some, some basic parameter like that. And the benefit of that is math the powerful thing, of, powerful thing about math is that once you prove something, it's true forever. That's it. For as long as humanity will exist and beyond, the proofs that are true today will still be true beyond that point. The proof is in the math um, pudding. Oh, yeah. And that, that explains the kind of oh. why we're talking about the proofs in the pie. <laughs> so that, that explains why we're talking about Greeks, right? Because they proved that pi must not be even or odd, right? They proved it yeah, a long time so, ago. So that, that, so that proof was more with, uh, with square root of two. So the, it was more with the existence of irrational numbers. Uh, but, they, but Euclid's elements, for example, I mean, that's, that's over a thousand years old. And as long as you accept the axioms, everything else in that, that those volumes of texts are true. And they, they always will be. Um, so, you know, computers can get us very far, but... With, with the kind of work I do, we can, we can go back and say, look, this phenomenon actually is happening or it actually isn't because that's clearly a bug because under these conditions, I know that this can or can't happen. Um, so you say that your work relates to period, periodicity. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay, great. Mm -hmm. um, how can you use pi to make those models that prove what you're trying to prove? I guess I'm, I'm curious on how oh. pi actually works. Um, in there. So that's a I, that's a really good question. So 
pie is now so fundamental and and so accepted as just being a, like it's like a basically like one of the fundamental constants of the universe basically that we kind of take it as given that it exists and we don't have to question it and we don't have to do anything weird to wrangle it and or estimate it it's just it's it's, it's there and it's available as this very well approximated number in virtually any programming language and then and then we use that as a tool to to do everything else so in my case the way that pi comes up is if you have something that's periodic, you, you come back to where you started. Gotcha. Right? That's the, the intuitive definition. And what, what happens with periodic phenomena, even if, let's say you're tracing a, a, a curve in this high dimensional space. I mean, if you, you, even in three dimensions, you can, you can trace this complicated path in three dimensions like a roller coaster. But now instead of three dimensions, imagine somehow that you're in, in N dimensions, a thousand dimensions. If you come back to where you started, you can map you can simplify all of that complicated path to a circle. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. So you can go from n dimensions to literally one dimension. And that, that is the fundamental idea behind my work from going, okay, it takes, it takes capital T time to, to start and, 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 and end this roller cycle ride in n dimensions. And well, I can map that to a circle with period two pi. What's the most challenging thing for you? as you're trying to map these things. Yeah. And um, hey, your work doesn't sound easy, so I'm sure it's all <laughs> difficult. I'm, um, like, I'm, I'm like trying to, I'm sitting here like trying to picture like four dimensional spaghetti and then a circle. With your, <laughs> my, yeah. It's funny because in, in math, it's actually very easy to write down because in, in three dimensions, if you recall parametric curves, so it's literally like, X coordinate that depends on time, Y coordinate that depends on time, Z coordinate that depends on time. And you have these three coordinates in three dimensions and they can, you know, each coordinate will just do something, right? X of T will vary over time, Y and Z. And instead of three coordinates, well, why don't we just add more? And each coordinate you add on increases the dimension and it's still just easy to like look at. You still have these however many coordinates that are each individually varying in time. So that's the way that, that that I think about things in n dimensions, um, but as to like how to physically visualize it, there is there is one way, which is to get a plate of spaghetti and just stare at it for a while. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you visualize in four dimensions, because um, for the fourth dimension you can take to be time. So the what you're looking at is how the spaghetti changes over time, and that is your fourth dimension. Mike drop. That is super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that that's such a cool application of Pi to use in your day-to-day -day work. Like I think the last time I used Pi in my work was I was literally making a PIE pie chart, but um, to kind of segment things out and draw the graphics, I needed to think in radians for the first time since like Calc 1 and using the map.py library. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like I haven't thought about this in years, but I don't know. I like yours more. <laughs> Me too. But uh, to, I guess to answer your question, Natalie, um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, it's it, there are things that are hard, but it's, I am trained in this, right? You're seeing the work that I do is the result of over 10 years of training in, in really, you know, specific methods. Um, so I think I, there's, that's actually a pretty loaded question now that I think about it. Um, but uh, I guess in terms of the research, the stuff that I'm struggling with right now is not struggling. So I'm making progress on it, but uh, 
we're as a field we're moving away from oscillators that talk to each other pairwise so imagine like a group of people sit standing in a circle and they're each having a conversation and whenever there is a conversation someone can only talk to one other person and in the field of coupled oscillators that was how we viewed things for a very long time um, now there are exceptions to this but I'm, I'm talking about the the general formulation um, you know, not looking at specific models, we really thought about just only pairwise interactions. And now what the field is doing is looking at conversations where one person can talk to three people at once or four people at once. And likewise, five different people can affect one person at, when they all talk at once. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the recent kind of hot topic in the field. So, so and then I guess to, to more directly answer your question, because these things are new, because these things are at the bleeding edge, there's no program, no one's written anything for this, so I, I have to be the one to write all of this, this code myself. Um, and that can be kind of a pain because I'm not classically trained in, in programming, um, so I have to figure out, well, like, how do I debug this? How do I know that this is, um, this is actually correct when I don't know what the ground truth is? So yeah, that, that should give you some idea. It all comes down to programming being difficult. Pickle, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Yeah, we're a special breed of crazy, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I think, I think the, the most recent episode of Time of This One will still be the one where you, you managed to wipe an operating system from within itself. That was unbelievable. I like Mac OS <laughs> a lot, but not for that reason. <laughs> Did you do the RM, uh, R, uh, RM, RF? It was even... It was even sillier than that. It was literally in the Mac OS partitioning screen, like the GUI. It just let me wipe the drive. And my only, <laughs> my only explana explanation, like I say in the episode, is I think enough of the OS was in RAM that it just kind of let me do it and continue about my business. <laughs> oh, my oh, yeah. I, I, I wasn't on that, but I've been there before where like you can delete a file in Linux and like still edit it and then close it and it's gone. That's so, terrible. Like, Who designed that? Well... Well, the, the alternative is you have something that happened to me um, recently where I was working on a file in Windows and I moved it and it wasn't actually where it said it was moved to be because it just kind of had like a ghost file because it can't delete stuff. So like computers, all these sorts of things kind of become increasingly cursed to deep you dig into them. Someone um, thought it was so, a good idea at one point, but yeah, yeah. it's going to mess there. someone else up. I'm sitting there really understanding why they threw that mathematician off the boat. <laughs> oh, no. That's, and I, hearing that, I'm like, that's what all great scientific discoveries that happened, you know, in ancient times, people just hated that so much. Like, like how everybody was like, oh, the earth is flat. And then the one person proved that, no, we revolve around the sun. Like the sun doesn't revolve around us. And he was like ostracized from the church. Things. Like he like was not like that was Galileo. Those are two different things, right? There's the heliocentric model where Galileo was like, "Yeah, no, I'm getting ahead of myself." This stuff doesn't revolve around us, but they they think they already had the concept of revolving. Uh, although they did have the concept yeah. of revolving, and they thought the sun revolved around us. Yeah, yeah, and that that the the mathematical model is really interesting. And I, to be honest, I don't know the full details, but I do understand if you assume that Earth is the center, you can still accurately model. The, the rotation of the, the, oh. yeah, the orbit of the planets around the Earth. But you have to do things like ellipses within ellipses within ellipses. It gets very complicated. Whereas if you assume that the sun is the center, the model just becomes significantly simpler. And, and I think that's a really nice example of Occam's razor. Okay. Simplest explanation is the best one for those who haven't heard. 
totally. My favorite term, Occam's Razor. Yeah. Well, looks like we're nearing the end of our first ever mini-sode. Um, while we wrap mini-sode? up, definitely want to make our listeners aware that Youngman has a YouTube channel. It's called ADHD Mathematician. Um, Youngman, I believe you walk through... Yeah, I, I talk about a lot of different stuff, but I, I found that a lot of channels, especially bigger ones, don't talk about the science behind ADHD. Um, and they also don't talk about ADHD uh, as experienced day-to-day by someone more in kind of the academic side of the world. Um, so I, I, I talk about my day-to-day life, my coping strategies. Um, and I, I was only diagnosed recently at the age of 31, and I'm 34 now. Wow. Um, so I, I went through all of undergrad and grad school not knowing even I had ADHD. I was completely in denial. It was terrible. And I'd like that to not you know, happen to other people. Um, and then not only that, but but going through these papers and really showing that, look, there is, like, look at this evidence. Looking at the evidence from kind of a, a naive, you know, um, blind perspective and, and seeing, okay, this evidence really does speak for itself. And, and I think... Um, yeah, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, my, my audience really enjoys it. And I think there's a lot of, there could be a lot of overlap with our audiences. Definitely agree. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, listeners, let us know what you thought of the mini so too. We're thinking of kind of incorporating more of these. So any feedbacks appreciated in the bio to this episode, we're going to link our social, we're going to link Youngman's YouTube account, and we'll be sharing links um, on uh on social as well but thanks so much for tuning in yeah thank you so much um i'm truly amazed that we managed to keep so many cans of worms on the shelf uh <laughs> yeah there's definitely an opportunity to come back and open a few more of them because there were especially a few that i'm like sitting there like eyeing hungrily like oh my god i want oh man feels like it sometimes um but yeah there were definitely some very interesting things that we you know did not bring up uh but Thank you so much for yeah, coming on and explaining pi uh, and kind of all these cool math things. Thanks for having me. 